Hello, a warm welcome to a new episode of the When in Spain podcast. I'm your host, Paul Burge. Thank you for joining me wherever you are around the world. I'm coming to you from a pretty chilly, wintry Madrid. The snow has melted away finally. But, well, I thought in this episode, what we're going to do is try and banish those winter blues. Um, well, that is if you're listening in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere, and I know we've got listeners in Australia, um, I hope you're enjoying your summer. Up here in the North, it's still pretty wintry. And so to help banish those winter blues, I thought we'd transport ourselves in this episode to some of the most beautiful natural and wild swimming locations all around Spain. But forget those packed beaches of sunburnt tourists on the Costa de I don't know what. I'm thinking more secluded coves, white sand, emerald pools, craggy canyons, wild waterfalls, relaxing rivers, those kinds of places. And guiding us around these off-the-beaten tracks, slices of watery wonder, are Lola Coulsan and John Weller. Now, Lola is a half-Spanish former stand-up comedian. That's right, she even performed at the Edinburgh Festival and London's Comedy Store, although she's no longer a stand-up comedian. And also joining her is her partner, John, who's a photographer. Now, both of them live in London, but both of them are avid swimmers, so much so that they've written and produced two absolutely beautiful books all about wild swimming in Spain, both inland and on the coasts. Their first book is called Wild Swimming Spain, uh, Discover the Most Beautiful Rivers, Lakes and Waterfalls of Spain. And their second book is called Hidden Beaches of Spain, 450 Secret Coasts and Island Beaches to Walk, Swim and Explore. And that's what we're going to be doing in this episode, exploring them. That book, Hidden Beaches of Spain, is actually going to be coming out on the 1st of March. And, well, in fact, Lola and John were lucky enough to take a year out from their jobs in London and spend an entire 12 months driving the coasts of Spain in their camper van, all in the name of research. Must have been a pretty tough assignment. So in this episode, John and Lola are going to be guiding us around some of their favourite places to swim, kayak, dive and hike, or just relax, all around Spain and some of the Spanish islands as well. And they'll also be offering us, of course, some practical advice as well, if you want to do wild swimming in some of Spain's wild locations. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up in a few minutes. Uh, just before the interview, quick shout out to new When in Spain patron. A big thanks to Alwyn Maynard for signing up to support the podcast on the crowdfunding website, patreon.com. If you too would like to show a bit of support for the When in Spain podcast, you can do the same at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. Okay then, so let's dive into the interview with Lola and John. Uh, just to say, we mention a lot of place names, of course. Um, so do check out the show notes for this episode, either on the platform where you're listening, or you could also head over to the When in Spain website, which is whenInSpainPodcast.com. And there I have put a list of all of the locations uh, that uh, we talked about during the interview. So let's transport ourselves, sit back, relax, close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, and uh, let's picture ourselves walking along the beaches, rivers, canyons, beautiful off-the-beaten-track places around Spain. Vamos! 
Lola and John, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the When in Spain podcast today. It's our absolute pleasure. Hello. You've written and produced two beautiful books, I've got to say. Your first book was The uh, Wild Swimming Spain, uh, Discover the Most Beautiful Rivers, Lakes and Waterfalls of Spain. And you've got one, a new one, congratulations on it, by the way, a new one on the horizon coming out beginning of March called Hidden Beaches Spain, 450 secret coast and island beaches to walk, swim and explore. We're going to talk about these books in a bit more detail, of course, for anyone listening who hopefully in the not too distant future can get to Spain and enjoy these uh, wild swimming locations whether they're on the coast or they're inland just tell us how this came about how did you come up with the idea of putting these these books these guides together I always went to swimming in in on the beach but we started going to my mom's village in in Guadalajara Aragoncillo, a tiny tiny little village uh, mainly so that our son could practice Spanish and one year uh, my brother-in-law my sister came and my brother-in-law wanted to kind of go and explore and we found out that there was this place uh, the Rio Tajo, which is a beautiful, beautiful, one of the longest rivers in Spain. In Spain, they tend to make weirs. They like build a little wall and just turn a river into a natural pool. Yeah. And so the first place we went was one of those. And then we started saying, OK, well, what other places are there to go to? And uh, we discovered um, Laguna de Caravilla, which is another like a beautiful lake in the middle of the mountains. And we started exploring just around that area. And then um, every time we went, every year when we went um, to Spain to different places, we did a, a quite a few home house swaps as well. And we just started looking around. You know, John's mad into swimming. So he was like, okay, so what's the swimming angle? And he'd kind of research yeah. where there was to swim. And then one year when we went, John was signed up to Wild Things Publishing's website and they have a, um, a newsletter. And in their I newsletter, see. they said, Oh, if you're going to Spain this year, send us some photos of your wild swimming spots for our forthcoming book, Wild Swimming Spain. And so we went to loads of places. John took amazing photos because he is an amazing photographer. And we sent them off. They wrote back and said, wow, your pictures are amazing. How would you feel about writing the book? Fantastic. For your latest book, Hidden Beaches in Spain, quite an interesting story behind that. Is that right that you took a year off and you basically spent a year driving the coasts of Spain in your camper van? Yeah, absolutely. We bought the camper van for the first, when we got the contract for the first book, we bought the camper van. She's 26 years old, BW transporter, high top. Wow, still going um, strong. Absolutely. This time we wanted to take a bit more time with it. And, you know, I've been in the same job for 17 years. John had been in the same job for 20 something years. But luckily, both of them gave us a sabbatical. And so we literally drove around. We started in Galicia at the border of Portugal and drove around the whole coast of Spain um, in the camper van. It was absolutely brilliant. It must have been a real adventure. I mean, what was that experience like? Did you meet lots of people? Any events that happened during that trip? Oh, God, loads. Some places we stayed in campsites and some places we just uh, plotted up, you know, on a beach. In fact, that was where we kind of met the most interesting people, I think, was when we were camping wild because... I don't know. I just think maybe people who camp wild are quite adventurous and they're quite open, I guess. So one night, for example, we were on a beach and we met up with some German uh, a guy in a camper van, German guy, and then a couple that were doing surfing and an English guy. And we just kind of went, OK, well, I've got a bottle of rum and I've got a bottle of this and I've got and we ended up having a big party. You know, <laughs> That's fantastic. Whatever we all had. 
And then the next day, this German guy who, Stefan, who just had everything on his camper van, fixed all the bits that were wrong with that because we had bits falling off and he just had exactly the right screw and exactly the right bolt and <laughs> came and sorted it out completely. And then is it right you got locked down during the trip when you were, was it in Estepona? Near Estepona in Casare. I mean, very luckily we were, uh, my cousin had lent us a flat um, right on the beach. And so we were just about to leave to do the second half of the book and we just got locked down. And lockdown in Spain, as I'm sure you can attest, is not like lockdown in England. You literally were not allowed to move. So we were looking at the beach every day, looking at the sea every day and not being allowed to even step onto the beach and the police coming around every hour. They were handing out thousand euro fines for anybody who was stupid enough to step on the beach. Wow. So yeah, you just don't mess with the Guardia Civil in Spain. You know, you don't talk, you don't answer back. You just do what you're told. You know, they they took it seriously, or you know, you weren't allowed to walk to the next village. Or so yeah. it was. It was, yeah. it was, yeah, it was quite had, harsh, but kind of necessary. John was like hands up against the van and his pocket search because he wanted to go to a health food shop in Estepona. There are worse places. Also, to be also stranded, I guess. Yes, I've been. I've been in worse situations. Also, the children weren't allowed out. The children were locked up for forty-eight days. It's like chitty chitty bang bang. <laughs> you know, the same when with the child catcher, they just disappeared. And I think one day we we were sitting yeah. on the balcony and we heard the ch- sounds of children's laughter from the beach, and the children had been let out for the first day. You know, it's literally squeals and squeals of laughter. The children were literally throwing themselves into the sea because they were. They were allowed out. They weren't even allowed to go to the supermarket or allowed in their parents' cars. They were just locked in the house. That's right. They were locked in the house for, I can't remember how long it was now, oh. weeks and weeks and weeks, a long time. The day that the lockdown finished in, well, where we were, it was, it was actually quite an emotional day just to see people coming out to do exercise and people just, you know, just laughing. And it's kind of a celebration, you know, because people on the beach were just, you know, it was just two ladies we met. They said, our souls are dancing. As they, as they literally oh, just danced on the they danced on the on the beach with us. It's it's, you know, it's quite beautiful. Going back to swimming, you're both avid swimmers. Let's talk about the book in a bit more detail. John, you're a photographer. I've got to say, your photos are absolutely beautiful. They're absolutely spectacular. I've been sort of pouring over them. And talk about transporting yourself there in the middle of January. I mean, my God. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful photos. Thank you very much. I mean, you've really done those places justice, I would say. You're the photographer side and Lola, you're the kind of words side. Or Both of you have actually written these together as guides. We we both wrote them. John's a photographer. He just climbs up mountains and hangs off rocks to get the best <laughs> photograph. And then we, we, so I generally have written the um, chapters, although John's done a couple. And then he, he did a lot of the kind of directions and the, the descriptions we kind of both did together. So it's very much a joint effort. How would you describe these books? I mean, guides really, aren't they? Because let's talk about what's in them. You've got this beautiful photography, obviously. You've got maps, you've got uh, more detailed maps showing the specific locations of these beaches. Because let's not forget, many of these are very much off the beaten path. In fact, you said that some of them don't even really have names as such. They're just these little coves. So you've given quite a lot of detail about how people can find the beaches, given descriptions, amenities and things like that. But When we were finding them, every time we made a mistake and went the wrong way, we would just say to each other, OK, we've made this mistake so our readers don't have to. And we tried to make them as clear as possible because we're very much aware that, you know, people go on holiday, it's their two weeks of the year. That, you know, my horror would be if somebody spent ages trying to find somewhere and couldn't find it. So, you know, we've got the, um, obviously the the Google Maps location, but then we've tried to give as very, as clear as possible, 
you know you turn right here when you see this and we've also tried to give as much detail about what kind of place it is you know like obviously we've said if it's easy to get to if it's medium if it's really difficult you know is it the sort of place that's good for families we've tried to say if it's nudist because a lot of the places beaches in particular in Spain if they haven't got a bar or a, a hotel which none of them have mm. um you're kind of open to, to going nude there. So we've tried to say that. Um, just as much detail so that people are going to the right place for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very much about managing people's expectations. As you said, it's very is much a travel guide. It's not a kind of it's not a kind of work or prose or fiction. It's um, it's you know, it's how you get somewhere and what you know and what you can expect when you get there. And also, you know, you don't want to take your kids away with you to find a beach and find out that you've got to. You've got to abseil down the side of a cliff face to get to the beach. You know, these places do exist in our book. But then in the chapters, we've tried to kind of, I tried to give a flavour of each area. So um, you might have noticed that each chapter starts with a little section of a poem. So one of the things that I did was for every area, I found a poet that had written about the sea. Because one of the things I, I really feel about Spain is, English people in particular think of Spain as, you know, Benidorm and the big beach. And, and Spain has such a rich cultural history. So, you know, in uh, Galicia, there's a poet, there's poets in Galician, who, you know, in their own language. There's, a, there's one of the poems is in Basque. There's poems in Catalan, um, Valenciano. So I'm trying to just, you know, give an idea. And I don't know, people might be or might not be interested in finding out a bit more about these poets, but just to give a, a, a bit of a cultural flavour. And then a bit of historical flavour as well, you know, because Spain has such a rich cultural history. And then also just include a bit of the story of our travel. I think you've, you've captured that really well and kind of balanced that really well as well from reading from reading the texts. Yeah, you mentioned the kind of stereotypical that many people may have of Spain, of sunburnt bodies on packed beaches on the Costa del Sol. Um, your first bit, Wild Swimming Spain, couldn't be further away from that image of Spain, right? You sort out secret rivers and lakes and waterfalls. So we're talking inland Spain. Let's talk a bit about that. Tell us uh, some of your favourite places that you discovered to do your wild swimming inland in Spain. Um, okay, so one of them that I that I particularly liked was we went to see. We went to look for because we did obviously did a lot of research beforehand, and we went to see a waterfall up in Alta Garoja, which is in northern Catalonia. And we had we were chatting to the we went to a campsite. We were chatting to the lady at campsite, and we found that actually there was five just in this in and around this one village. There was five little kind of they're almost fairy grottos. They look like the little pools with waterfalls coming down into them. One village, five different amazing secret little places. One had been included in a, in a series they had in Spain, so that was kind of well known. But then there was these other secret ones that only the local villagers knew. And that's the joy of speaking Spanish and, um, because, you know, we had, we had a whole list that we were going to go to, but we found so many others just by talking to people that were much more secret. And John, for you, the same place? I really enjoyed Asturias, to be honest. We, um, mm. you know, up in the, in the north of Spain and the Picos de Europa. Um, oh, yeah. 
we found a place called Lago Asente. This is the, the absent lake, which is a, a natural mountaintop pool. It's like an, an emerald lake with spine-tingling views across the Asturian peaks. I, think, I found we swimming across there was more kind of flying at the top of the world rather than the swimming, you know, so we, yeah. we'd lay on our backs on this beautiful lake watching eagles soaring above us. You know, kind of and looking across the the mountaintops at dusk, which is a kind of a very magical time. Sounds was, like something from Lord of the Rings. Yes, it, yes, these craggy mountains pointing up kind of before us. It was just, it was quite a kind of breathtaking moment. We also took two at the time it was our son was sixteen, we took two sixteen year olds and you know, these two city boys, you know, to also to kind of share that experience with them. As well, they'd never seen anything like this before, so it was it was, it was, it was quite moving, breathtaking. Yeah, the, I mean the Picos de Europa in general are pretty impressive, pretty impressive. Yeah, the neglected part of Spain. We know we don't really know about these kind of uh, these, these parts of Spain. I guess growing up in England in the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, you you really do get painted a different picture of spain you know you're sold yeah. the myth of carry-on films and <laughs> you know flamenco and bullfighting which is you know absolutely it's not, it's not really spain you know absolutely you, do, you get sold the package rather than i think even still today you get you get sold that package rather than going you can be an independent traveler and go and find you know find the real spain find real people i totally agree with you i think still even now after all these years you know the interior of spain and the north of spain is still really kind of not very well known and people are missing out on so much by only visiting the coasts and the big cities Staying with inland uh, wild swimming then, before we move on to the coasts and the beaches. Lola, let's go back to you. Where would you recommend for people who want to find those really amazing, beautiful, dramatic waterfalls, canyons, these kinds of places? In Huesca, Aragon, there is a whole, like, there's an area of amazing canyons. I mean, we actually only included a few places there, but there's so many canyons up there. The Rio Aro, Sierra de Guara. Beautiful blue rivers, waterfalls, loads of canyoning. There's quite a few comp- companies that do canyoning, abseiling, swimming. I mean, we we actually jumped at the Salto de Bier, which was a place, you know, at the end of a canyon route, you could jump off this waterfall, which you now can't do. You can still swim in the river, though. We've included quite a few different places where you can jump. Our son is really into jumping. In fact, in Asturias, Puerto de Pigano, where there's a picture actually on page 62 mm-hmm. of our son jumping what must be 15 metres into a pool, um, which was yeah, very, very scary to watch. Um, <laughs> uh, John, going back to you, what about for canoeing and kayaking? This is something for me personally I would more interested in. Okay, again, up in um, Asturias around uh, Cangos de Onís. Ah, Cangas de um, Onís, yeah, I know it. You know, yeah. it. Yeah, they have their own river kayak festival called the Fiesta de las Paraguas. Yeah, it's yeah, a, that's right. It's an international festival. Me and my son Danny, or our son Danny, we um because we've got an inflatable kayak, we drove up into um up the Rio Deba to a place called Panes. Then we just paddled back down the river towards Peshon Playa. So we kind of had our own mini adventure. So kind of own kind of like Heart of Darkness. I don't know if you've written any Joseph Conrad. Absolutely. Our own yeah. kind of three hour <laughs> mini adventure from the Rio Deva. We paddled down to the estuary beach at Peshon Playa and there's lots of mini rapids. And so, so it's full of excitement and you yeah. can stop off and there was lots of deep green pools to swim along the way. 
I don't think we saw another person or any kind of sign of of anything or anybody. We were in a building for three hours. It was it was a great adventure. I think you're right. I, this is something in general in Spain I've noticed. It's, it's just more so than the UK, perhaps. Once you get out into really deep rural Spain, you don't see anybody or anything. You know, whereas I think in the UK it's much harder to get that kind of well, sense Spain of Spain is so vast. Spain is huge. When we were doing the first book, Going Inland, that really struck us, you know, how, how far, because we'd be driving up to these... Quite often they were in the mountains, you know, waterfalls and rivers tend to be. Yeah. And we just drive for miles and miles round and round this mountain and we wouldn't see anyone. And then suddenly it'd be, boop, there's a little village in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, that's kind of real Spain, if you, you know, and you go in there. I remember we went in one day and uh, we found the bakers. And uh, at 10 o'clock, they still hadn't made the bread because why would you? They live in the middle of nowhere. You know, who's getting up at six o'clock, you know? And we kind of sat there and waited for the bread to come out of the oven and had bread straight out of the oven. You're never going to get that experience going on a package holiday. You know, these are the sort of experiences, you know, if you, if you, you know, one of the things I think about all both of the books is, you know, it's the path less travelled. You know, you're going to find experiences that you're never going to get if you just go on a package tour to a, you know, all-inclusive hotel, you know. Yeah, for sure. Me and my girlfriend got stranded up in... um... It's on the border between Castilla Leon and Asturias a couple of years ago. I had a puncture, I had a blowout. Got into this little village, no mobile phone signal, stuck there in the middle of the night, uh, had to go knocking on doors. And we went into this house and it was basically someone's lounge, which they, which they converted into the local pub, local bar. With about six old boys propped up in there, pretty drunk, dogs, rabbits in cages, uh, a 12-year-old boy who was pouring the wine behind the bar. And I asked the guy, I said, how many people live in this village? He said, oh, uh, with the dogs, we're probably about 12. <laughs> Something wow. like that. Yeah, well, my mum's village is like that. My aunt was that house. My aunt's house was that house. Yeah, years yeah. back, it was the bar, the shop. Yeah. That's, you're not going to experience that in England in, in the same way. You know, they, they're I don't just think having... so. Well, one say one thing. We're not knocking package tours yeah, but so if you want to step out, step away from the resort, then these books are, take you to some amazing places. Yeah. Lola, tell us about um, some history and ruins, magical historical places where you can also swim as well. Spain is so... <laughs> it's a big question. It's so full of history. Do you know what I mean? It really is. Um, it is. It's a country with a rich and varied past. If you go to in Cantabria, Asturias, Cantabria, um, you can find dinosaur footprints. In fact, in, in hidden beaches, um, wow. uh, we'll tell you about places. You know, there's the Jurassic Coast up there, and there's a prehistoric cave paintings in Altamira, which is near Santander. Um, in Galicia, Galicia is literally scattered with Celtic castros, which are fortifications. We went to a place called the Castro de Baronia, like 20 round houses, ramparts, and stone steps. Um, and just below it was a nudist beach, which is <laughs> quite interesting. And uh, oh, one place, oh, I can't remember, the, uh, maybe John will remember, we went to one place, uh, to a, a hidden beach, and suddenly we heard, in Galicia, and suddenly we heard um, bagpipes, because oh, they've wow. got that Celtic history. Then, of course, when you come down south, you've got Roman remains, you know, in, in uh, Bologna, down near Cadiz in the Costa de la Luz. Mm, um, yeah, right near, yeah. I mean, Bologna is great. It's, it's a massive sand dune. It's, it's kind of got a bit busy over there, but if you go in the opposite direction, there's loads and loads of beaches with nobody. 
Um, and there's a place called Baelo Claudia, which is uh, apparently one of the best preserved ruins of a Roman commercial centre. Obviously, there's loads of Arabic um, fortifications all over Spain. And for those for fans of Game of Thrones, to be fair, it hasn't, it hasn't actually got a hidden beach you can go to, but it was so amazing. The place that was represented Dragonstone in Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's up in uh, in Pais Basco, in the Basque country. I was talking about that with a guest a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Basque country. Yeah, wild. It's wild up yeah. there. It really is. Perfect for Dragonstone because the whole the whole area is just like this turbulent but beautiful. And Pais Basco, again, somewhere that people rarely visit, but well worth a visit. We've kind of moved on to beaches, so just going to drop in a little note here. Your new book is uh, not inland uh, swimming, but we're looking at 450, 450 beaches. It just sounds like the perfect job, exploring 450 <laughs> beaches during a year. I can, I just love to do that. You've done oh, it. You've, you've done it now. Terrible job. Someone had to do it. We Someone had to. <laughs> Someone had to do it. But I don't think anyone has done it. Has done this before. Tough, I imagine. Um, yeah, Four hundred beaches. Um, so this is your new book coming out on March the first. She is all about coastal swimming and beaches. Obviously, hidden beaches of Spain. I guess with so many beaches and so many kind of different coasts, there's a beach for everyone, right? Yeah. And one thing about Spain is it's so varied. You know, I mean, you go to Galicia and it's you know it's very green. You know, you've got obviously you can't rely on the weather, but it's very very green. There's so many. Uh, beaches there with you know we we were there in August actually and the amount of beaches we went to that had three people on there beautiful some of them are like behind little villages tiny little beaches behind villages Um, other ones are wide open to the Atlantic where there's surfing oh and Cantabria which has some of the most beautiful beaches in Spain I think Cantabria because they just have these yellow sand beaches but within really green hillsides you know blue sea so the the colors are incredible and then obviously on the Mediterranean side the the sea is completely different but then again the Costa Brava very kind of rocky one of the great things about Spain is kind of it's so weird Spain because as you're traveling up the coast you'll go past Benidorm for example um and it's you know it's built up it's you know it's crazy hotels and stuff like that and then literally a few kilometers up the road you're in an actual park and, and, you know, in Spain, they've got this huge thing of natural parks where nothing is allowed to be built. So it's preserved. So in the Costa Brava, for example, there's a huge natural park um, where there's loads of hidden beaches where you have to do, you know, quite a trek to get down there. And then if you go south again, you go to Almeria. Almeria is probably the le- one of the least, apart from, you know, Galicia and Almeria, I would say probably the kind of the least really known places of Spain and it's very rocky it's volcanic but absolutely beautiful in its own in a different way you know there's like huge uh, cacti and they're kind of dark sand beaches with huge volcanic 
like mushrooms also almost yeah it's kind of got that um it reminds me of like these westerns he's got these rocks that are kind of have been eroded by wind and they look like big rocks balanced on each other and, they, they yeah. do film a lot of westerns out there you know they do i think they call it Pile, the, the pile of westerns they're called aren't they the pile of westerns yeah, yeah. it's kind of like badlands the badlands of spain down there in almeria yeah it's basically desert isn't it almost semi-desert inland I think it's yeah. Europe's only desert, um, actually. I think, yeah, vast um, sand dunes, huge sand dunes, lots of, and also lots of um, uh, fossilized sand dunes. Yeah, fossilized sand dunes <laughs> eroded by the wind into you know, really weird and fantastic shapes. And then we've got the Balearic Islands. Uh, I think, Lola, you said that for you, like some of the most beautiful beaches that you described them as almost like the Caribbean, um, were on the island of Menorca. Is that right? We absolutely loved Mallorca because Mallorca is. Again, beyond, obviously there's Palma and Magaluf and all that, but, you know, it's a massively varied island as well. And so after that, we went to Menorca and we our expectations, I guess, weren't that high in some ways, but but such beautiful beaches and, and it's so undeveloped. It's very controlled. It's a biosphere, isn't it? So um, development is very controlled, unlike other parts of Spain. There's no high rise. There's nothing like that. And most of the beaches are undeveloped, you know, most of the beaches. And you have um, this great um, Camida Cavai, which is a bridal path around the whole of Menorca. So you can literally walk around the whole of Menorca. Um, really? Off every- I didn't know that. On a bridal yeah. path. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it goes, I mean, there's some places where it goes through um, private land where you have to stick to the path. And like, we didn't have this experience, but we were told about people who got shouted at and had guns pointed at them. Because... I, I, would... <laughs> I thought you were going to say got shot at. <laughs> Not got shot at, but, you know, literally, ha- you know, were because they stepped off the, in um, in the, a bit that was private land. But yeah. you are allowed to go the whole way around and you can yeah. literally walk for half an hour, go onto a beach, have a little swim, come back, walk a bit further which we did a bit of. And some of the beach, I mean, in the south, they literally are Caribbean. They're, the sand is white, white, white. The, the, the water is turquoise blue. Uh, they're just beautiful. But then the north is completely different. There's a whole part of it where the sand is red and it looks like you're on Mars. Wow. Um, and then there's other parts which are kind of more more interesting. It really is a beautiful island. I'm guessing those would be uh, locations then for anyone who's interested in snorkeling or diving or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. There's, I mean, we didn't do a huge amount of snorkeling uh, just for time reasons, but um, yeah, we saw a lot of people snorkeling there. And um, the little bit that we did do, the, the water's so clear. It's seagrass. It has a, I don't, can't remember the technical oh. name. Poseidonica Oceanianica. Oh wow. <laughs> and it's you know it because it, because there's a lot of it around Menorca. There's a lot of um, sea life, you know, lots of marine life there as well. It yeah. keeps the sea clean. It kind of gives it that kind of sparkling, kind of cobalt blue colour. Also, me, Danny and I also went scuba diving in the Sears Islands. I don't know if you've been to the Sears Islands. Just the Sears Islands of Spain is kind of very own. Seychelles, we booked a, a um, scuba diving kind of classes. Yeah, very, very beautiful. Access is very limited. You have to book up kind of months in advance. And, yeah. you, you know, there's no cars on the island and I don't think there's even a hotel on the island. 
that was very beautiful. A lot of seagulls. As soon as you arrive, you get attacked by gulls. But so it's, it's, it's very, very beautiful. How do people get there? Where's the kind of place that people need uh, to well, embark you a, from? You get a ferry from uh, Vigo. From Vigo, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's only it's about an hour's crossing, but so it's 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 it's, so it's it's a very peaceful, very beautiful place. You know, again, lots of kind of uh, white sand beaches and and uh, turquoise seas, just you know, and so very very um very clear waters, which was perfect for scuba diving. We haven't really mentioned this specifically, I guess. Beaches for kids and families around Spain. I mean, obviously, we always think, I suppose, of those packed beaches on the costas. But for a family with children who want something a bit more, a bit special, where would you suggest? Where have you really enjoyed with your children? Some beaches, for example, Playa de Acovina in Costa Galicia was one where we saw lots of local children. There's rock pools, they're playing... What, what you kind of get in Galicia is a, a very local vibe, if you know what I mean. Not families, teenagers playing cards. And that one, there's a little island that you can actually walk to in, when the tide is low. We also visited um, Playa de Monsol in Almeria. It's a huge, huge sand beach with the colossal sand dunes to the left side of the beach, which is kind of the perfect place for children's adventures. It's lots of yeah, dramatic yeah. volcanic rock formations, the lava domes, I think they're called. We were talking about um, filming locations. This was the, one of the film locations for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Was it really? Which I'm sure you've seen. It's, yeah, of it's, course. It's a bit where where uh, Sean Connery, you know, the late Sir Sean Connery, he takes an umbrella and he flushes the, the flock of birds into the sky to bring down a <laughs> okay, yeah, plane. That. <laughs> that was filmed there. For very safe um, place as well. There's the, you don't really have the, it's the Mediterranean side, so there's not many kind of, you know, you don't really get kind of big waves and, so the kids can just play and just have yeah. fun and run up and down sand dunes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just perfect. The only thing is there's no services. You gotta, you're not going to get an ice cream there, put it that way. I remember that's really good for kids. It was um, in, up in Gerona, uh, Cala Estreta. In uh-huh. fact, there was a series of about three, which again are in the book, um, where there's just like loads of, it was kind of like a, a, almost like a little bay with rock pools. And it just, for me, it, it just felt like, you know, Mermaid Lagoon in, in Peter Pan, you know, it's just like, God, I wish I was 10, you know, you should have such adventures in place. Like that. I mean, as I say, the, the, the main thing is you obviously have to take everything with you. As I say, in, in Spain, there's a lot more relaxed attitude to nudism. Um, so you kind of have to take it. But, they, you know, we went to beaches where there was whole families in the nude. I guess also if you can do go to these beaches. So you kind of you do have to manage your kids' expectations. There won't be water slides, and you know you're not going to get an ice cream today, kids. There's not going to be no burgers. There's going to be no pizzas. You know you might see a starfish or an octopus. Much more interesting than a than an ice cream. Beaches for hiking and also for exploring caves and diving that kind of thing. Let's put it all into one, I guess. There's a lot <laughs> of hikes in our book, but one of the places that we really enjoyed hiking too. We went to a place in the uh, Costa Calida, which is kind of Murcia, and we were following uh, Google Maps and we suddenly ended up by this golf town. The La Manga Golf Course. I think it's quite famous or infamous, as it were. Infamous. La Manga. La, Ma- La Manga. Yeah. Our way to, to go and visit these beaches took us through La Manga. So we, we kind of drove up to the we were security guard, basically, on the gate. He said, oh, are you planning to spend the night at this beach? 
I went, mm, yeah, is that okay? And he went, yeah, fine, and let us through. Because, of course, you've got in Spain the Ley de la Costa. Even if they build a big luxury, whatever, they aren't allowed to stop you having access to the coast. So I we see. drove through this crazy, like, luxury village and then went and parked in a kind of car park by a beach. And then in the morning, we hiked along just this beautiful, it was like a, a path of, like, loads of broken slate with rosemary bushes, lavender and all sorts of Oh, and wow. just to these set a series of three beaches, which was Cala del Cuervo, Cala de las Cañas, and Cala de Goler. And it's a bit of a tough hike, but then once you got there, I mean, I think there was one person on one of the beaches, a couple on the other beach, and one with nobody there at all. Great for solitude and naked sunbathing. I think we'll put those in the category of naked solitude. <laughs> Cave. My favourite cave actually was a place called La Cova Tallada, which is quite near Denia. So we went and stayed uh, one year, we went and stayed in Denia. There's quite a big expat community and stuff down there. But then, if you again, if you just travel a little bit to a place called Les Rotes, we went on this coastal path along the side of a hill to this cave called La Cova Tallada. It's almost like a cathedral inside. It's actually a man-made cave where they excavated stone to build the Castella de Denia. We had hiked along this hillside and then the next day we went in the kayak and it took like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> but it's an amazing cave. I mean, our son kind of went there and had a bit of a moment there, you know, because it it's quite, I don't know, it, like I say, it feels a bit like a cathedral or something. But then on the outside, there's a, outside it, there's this huge stone that you can kind of go and sunbathe on. Just a little bit of practical advice then for, well, for all of this, inland swimming, beaches, you've mentioned uh, nudism, naturism. It's just something to be aware of. If it's a very remote beach, like you said, without hotels and amenities, there is a strong possibility you may see groups of people, families, individuals uh, naked. And yes, if that's not your thing, you're just going to have to run the risk. You'll you'll see a lot of people with their tackle out. In secluded spinal beaches, it's just one of those things. You know, if that's something that you're kind of um, sensitive to then maybe you'll become desensitized i don't know or you just you yeah. need to go somewhere else we we mark these beaches off very much in our book we have a little symbol next to the beaches which are nudist it's not that you'll go to a beach and everyone's in the nude you'll go to a beach and some people will be in the nude and some people won't and they just kind of i quite like it actually it's quite they're just quite tolerant of each other yeah in terms of being safe, most of the, the one or two do, but most of the places we're recommending don't have lifeguards. So you have to be really careful. Generally, I would say don't swim on your own. If you can, have somebody else with you. Don't swim out too far. Also, tow floats are really good if you are caught in a riptide, which a riptide is basically going to pull you out to sea then you need to swim at right angles to it don't try and swim against it if you're in the atlantic don't stay in too long because it's always cold that's good advice (laughs) Um, i mean although we found it's a lot warmer in cantabria than in galicia for example Ah, it does kind of warm up a bit it's a bit more sheltered there Always wear sunscreen. That's the other thing. Um, Be prepared for heat in the summer if you're inland. I guess also um, the other thing that happens is, which it could be the same for anywhere in the world that's in the summer, I suppose, is that when you've got a stiff sea breeze blowing, you may not realise how hot it is. It kind of is deceptive deceptive and you could be absolutely burning and not realise it. We've all been burnt before, haven't we? We certainly have. Like a gamba, as they say. Yeah. How about all crispy? Lovely. And also, I think for a lot of our a lot of our beaches, wear decent shoes. You know, don't don't expect to be able to get to most of our beaches in flip flops unless we've 
unless we particularly said you can because the other thing we've tried to include we've we have included is parking spots because often you know if you go for the uh, coordinates to get to the beach that's not necessarily going to take you to a good place to park so where possible we've tried to mention where good places are to park obviously we can't guarantee there's always going to be a space good advice because that's happened to us before i remember a couple of years ago and it was high season so we should have expected it we were down near like you said on the costa de la luz all those little calas that you have in a row kind of going uh, north um, from Beja de la Frontera and Conil early middle of September it was still pretty still busy and it was just impossible to park absolutely chocker we had to kind of give up on our original plans of where we wanted to go and go mm. and find somewhere else when you're relying on a car which for many of these places you will be uh, is just to think about that and whether it's going to be busy or how far away your parking is going to be from the beach where possible we've tried to mention where if we think it's going to be busy in summer and obviously then the advice is just get there early yeah and I guess also if you want the place to yourself particularly these kind of inland waterfalls and places like that that uh, maybe at the weekends get really popular and you want to take those like super instagrammable photos of yourself under the waterfall you know with nobody else there get there really early we also found we were on the Costa de la Luz in um I think we were there in autumn we found that you know beaches aren't necessarily somewhere that you, you have to go and sit and plot up all day so some of these longer beaches are really just good for a walk you can know you can walk from yeah uninterrupted walk for hours and hours you know you know hardly seeing a soul just good for exercise or you know taking the dog for a walk yeah because i think we especially as as brits we kind of just all automatically think of beaches somewhere you lay on a towel all day long in the sun i mean in terms of when to visit i mean it's a kind of obvious question i guess i mean it's going to be hot and busy high season in the summer months shoulder seasons are best um but i suppose if you're thinking of like central and northern spain it be aware that it gets pretty bloody cold in the winter months as well so. yeah it's lots of rain you know it's, it's also the rain is this is so predictable it's gonna rain it's gonna rain but you know you might get lucky but so the north of spain is also very accessible these days there's lots of airports while camping in spain um is it legal if you want to do it how should you go about camping out in the wild where in somewhere that's not an official campsite okay so um legally yes no maybe Again, it's a bit of a common sense thing. I mean, generally, if you're in a camper van, you can pretty much park anywhere as long as you don't put anything out on the road. Okay, So if you start putting your table and chairs out, they're going to get upset. But otherwise, you can pretty much park anywhere unless there's a specific sign that says, no pernoctar, no overnight stay. I think our our advice is to use your discretion. um, There is a page in our book which we've, we've given some advice to kind of help you decide how to use your discretion we did world camp as john says use your discretion you're not legally supposed to camp within i think it's 200 meters of the sea but depends when depends where ask a local and you know there are places like when we were in mallorca we uh, met up with a group that were horse riding around the beaches and stuff like that and what they did is they arrived with hammocks. You know, they arrived after dark, they hung up their hammocks and they left first thing in the morning. Never take anything except photographs and never leave anything, never leave any rubbish behind. Final question, difficult one. If you could click your fingers right now, transport yourself from London to one of these magical beaches or inland rivers, streams, ponds, waterfalls, wherever, where would you choose? Where would you love to be swimming right now? Do you have one each? One each, absolutely. John Dolly, you go first. Oh, am I going first? Um, I think it might have to be one of the ones in the Menorca. 
Um, maybe there's too many to choose from. Why don't you go for colour pudent? pudent? You actually said uh, that was one of your favourites. Colour pudent. Yeah. And go on, okay. explain why. Beautiful turquoise waters, white sand, not that many people around. This time of year, definitely not that many people around. I don't mind the water being a bit cold. John, for Me? you. So I would choose Praia Abarea in Muros in, uh, on the coast of Galicia. I think that's beak. Translated as beekeeper beach. Beekeeper beach. beach, a profoundly beautiful cove hidden and sheltered beneath a canopy of ancient pine trees with fronted with crystal clear waters to swim in. This is um this is probably my favourite. I think because we kind of stumbled across it by chance. We were driving along the coast and between some trees we just we saw a beach below us and so we had to stop and, and, and explore. When climbing down this beach, it was so beautiful. We had the whole beach to ourselves for hours. It was idyllic. We just thought, this is so perfect. Let's just stay here. We can't leave. And so it's been imprinted on my memory. There's, so there's, a, there's a lovely photo of it in the book. What a magical name as well. Beekeeper Beach. I love that. Exactly. Profoundly beautiful. Lola and John, thank you so much for joining me on the Wedding Spain podcast to share these secret places. And let's hope that some of the listeners can get the opportunity in the not too distant future to go and explore them. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been our absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us. So that was John and Lola. Just to say, their new book, Hidden Beaches Spain, is out on the 1st of March. Uh, But you can pre-order the printed book from Amazon or from Wild Things Publishing. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. That comes out on the 1st of March. And if you can't wait until the 1st of March, you can immediately download their super exclusive pre-launch digital editions from Wild Things Publishing website. Uh, That's for £7.99. Again, link in the show notes of this episode. And the website you need is wildthingspublishing.com, wildthingspublishing.com. You can order the physical copies through that website or on Amazon. But if you'd like to get the pre-launch digital edition, uh, you can do that from Wild Things Publishing. Now, I have to say, whether you're planning to come to Spain anytime soon or not, obviously, it's uh, still a complicated situation with COVID. But even if you want to fantasize about getting away and exploring some of those beautiful, wild locations that we were talking about in the episode, I really, really do recommend getting your hands on a copy of these books. John's photography is absolutely spectacular, also packed with loads of practical advice and detailed information on basically how to find these places as well. So if you want something nice to curl up with in bed during winter also would look pretty nice on your coffee table as well if you'd like to find out more about john and lola and indeed their books you can find them on facebook just search for wild swimming spain they're also on twitter under the handle wild swim spain and go and check out their instagram profile as well and you'll see some examples of this beautiful photography and their instagram handle is wild swimming spain okay so i'll leave it there for this episode Thank you for tuning in. I will be back next week with a brand new episode of the Wedding Spain podcast. In the meantime, please do consider signing up to support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash when in spain we also have a presence on all the usual social media hangouts if you're new to the podcast we have a facebook page and facebook group 
You can also find When in Spain on Instagram. The handle is When in Spain One. And don't forget to check out the When in Spain website, which is WhenInSpainPodcast.com. And on there, you'll find more detailed show notes, photos, a bit more information about the podcast as well. So until next week, then, stay well, stay warm, and I shall bid you hasta luego. Thank you.